Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. Here is why you should tune into today's show. What is up with Grayscale? And do you remember Three Arrows Capital? We'll bring you the latest on those two important stories. Plus, we'll be joined live by the CEO of DAP Radar to discuss the latest trends in gaming, the metaverse, and Web3. I'm Jeremy Barlow. Luke Franks is with me. Welcome to the show, Luke. This is your first time. Maybe you can just quickly introduce yourself, give uh, our viewers a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be here. So my name is Luke Franks. Uh, so my background is as a broadcaster, TV presenter here in the UK for the last kind of 10, 11 years. Um, I've had a crypto journey over that time. Uh, I got into Bitcoin around 2017. Um, generally, my broadcast work was with with a younger audience, so with kind of uh, teens and Gen Z. And over that time, I sort of saw their habits change from watching uh, TV to, to moving online uh, and into virtual worlds uh, while seeing blockchain get, uh, get adopted. And uh, yeah, kind of uh, saw those trends colliding with uh, NFTs into the metaverse. And uh, I do podcasts around that stuff now as well. So uh, yeah, that's my journey and a uh, pleasure to be here. That's awesome, man. Thank you for coming on with us today. Before we get into our top stories, if you're watching us on the Real Vision website, thank you. If you have not signed up there yet, Check it out at realvision.com forward slash crypto. We have a ton of crypto and macro content for you. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you never miss when we go live. Let's start the show by jumping into some of the latest price action. No surprises today. Stability is the name of the game. Bitcoin down slightly on a 24-hour basis, trading around $16,800. This is virtually unchanged from a week, week ago. Luke? What's going on on the Ethereum front? Yeah, so Ethereum, a uh, bit of movement, a little bit down. Uh, Ether is down more in percentage terms than Bitcoin. That's uh, often not surprising. It's lost about 2% in the past 24 hours and roughly as much uh, in a week. Ether is currently changing hands at just over $1,200. Thank you for that, Luke. One other coin we're looking at right now is ApeCoin. It is down 5% on a 24-hour basis to $3.90 after surging to more than $4.20. Lots of volatility there as ApeCoin holders prepare for the launch of staking rewards. Decrypt reports that this will be live on Monday of next week. The official staking contract has already taken in nearly $32 million worth of Ape in one day. Let's dive in now to our top stories. There's an important update to a story we've been following closely on the show. Grayscale Investments is a digital assets manager and subsidiary of the Digital Currency Group. On Monday, we talked about the troubles at another DCG subsidiary, crypto broker and lender Genesis. Check out that episode if you haven't already. Genesis has been having financial trouble. The company halted withdrawals last month, but Grayscale is not without its own problems. Luke, what's the latest on that? 
Yes, yeah, so Fir Tree Capital Management has sued Grayscale over, uh, quote, potential mismanagement and conflicts of interest. According to a complaint filed on Tuesday in uh, Delaware Chancery Court, Grayscale issued many shares in the past few years and didn't redeem any of them. Uh, the complaint alleges that that's uh, part of the reason why the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust closed at a 43% discount on Monday. That means shares in the trust are severely undervalued compared to the value of the assets it holds. Uh, Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg sources say Fir Tree wants grayscale to close the gap by resuming redemptions and lowering the fees that's very uh very interesting give us some context here why is this such a big deal yeah yeah it is a big deal because grayscale uh run the biggest bitcoin fund so their gbtc product uh is massive it has 10.7 billion dollars under management if you divide that by the current price of bitcoin it gives you more than 600,000 bitcoins uh, cnbc reported in may that grayscale and its parent dcg uh, own over three percent of the world's bitcoin so uh, any issues at grayscale are bound to worry crypto investors a bit more uh bad news unfortunately as if we haven't had enough recently yeah i was gonna say as if crypto investors don't have enough to worry about these days yeah. uh, another story we've been focusing on lately is obviously the ftx fallout uh, earlier in the year we had a few other notable crypto blowouts one of them was hedge fund three arrows capital luke what's the latest on three uh, ac yeah, I promise we'll get some positive news in just a second, but strap yourselves in for this one. Um, so a federal judge has authorized subpoenas for uh, 3AC, 3 Hours Capital co-founders, uh, Sue Zhu and Kyle Davies. Uh, this gives liquidators the ability to force them to turn over any documents and records relating to 3AC property or finances. Uh, that includes seed phrases and private keys as well. So the former 3 Arrow, uh, Arrows leaders will have 14 days to comply and uh, several other people have been named as discovery targets so there we go one thing you never want to be named is a discovery <laughs> target Absolutely. let's be honest <laughs> so another question i have and we've seen suzu and kyle davies kind of pop back up on twitter recently do we have any idea of where they are right now well, um, yeah, for a while after 3AC filed bankruptcy on July the 1st, they kept a pretty low profile. But as you say, uh, since FTX collapsed, they've resurfaced on social media where this is uh, all playing out. And the block reports that it's currently believed Zoo is in Dubai, whilst Davies uh, is in Bali. Um, yeah, so I, I guess nice for some, but also probably less nice in this scenario. Yeah, I've been to Bali before. Nice place. Not a, yeah, bad, not yeah. a bad spot to hang out. Well, yeah. So as you mentioned, we want to bring in some good news today. Let's get straight to our guest. Skirmantis Yanuskis is the CEO of DAP Radar, a de decentralized app store for tracking and trading all things DeFi, NFT, and gaming related. Welcome to the show, Skirmantis. Hello. Good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Take it away, Luke. Yeah, uh, thanks, Gamantas. Good to have you on the show. Um, so we'll, we'll dive into DAP Radar in, in just a second, but I guess it'd be good to get your kind of just broad view of the markets at the moment. How are you feeling about everything? Uh, how is the sentiment from your corner? Yeah, uh, in general, uh, you know, if, if you look at just crypto, uh, if you forget the global market, uh, just the crypto one. Uh, so, you know, we've been through that several times already. Uh, so we are, let's say, not too worried about this. Uh, it was in 2018, uh, then again and again and again. Uh, but obviously, adding the global recession on top of it, uh, the way I say, you know, um, we hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. That's that's the market conditions right now. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, we're going to talk about some gaming stuff in a second because it's interesting, even in these downturns, that you know people who are playing games and blockchain games, especially, um, maybe less affected by this stuff because people play games, you know, throughout any market condition. So we'll come on to that in a second. But for anyone who doesn't know, maybe you could just um, tell us about DAP Radar. Few people will be familiar. Um, well, quite a few. You've got a lot of users. Uh, it's a tool that I use to track in my portfolio daily. Um, but there's a lot that you do at DAP Radar, a lot that it covers. So maybe you could just uh, tell us all about it and uh, what DAP Radar is. Yeah, I'll, I'll let me start quickly from the kind of prehistory of DAP Radar. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it was uh, back of 2017, I think, when uh, when CryptoKitties and, and you know those OGs now they will they will know what I'm talking about. Probably many people don't know CryptoKitties anymore. Uh, but when CryptoKitties actually exploded, that was November or, or December of 2017, and that finally, finally crypto got my attention, like real attention. I knew about it before, but it was, uh, I was on the side of those probably 99% of people, you know, crypto is a scam, you know, I don't know what's going on there, I don't understand it. And then when I looked at CryptoKitties and said, okay, uh, as, a, as a software engineer, let me try to dig into these smart contracts and what they are, you know, try to understand it. Then I got immediately hooked. Like that was so. Thank you, CryptoKitties, for getting me into crypto, and thanks my co-founder for pinging me for five years to to get there. Uh, took me a while, but you know uh, that's that was the first step into crypto. And then two months later, so that was uh, 2018 February, uh, we just we just built that trader over the weekend. Uh, you know, as we realized, all the data on the blockchain is public. Hey, you know. There is just a catalog of dApps out there. There is nothing, you know, no way to track those dApps, no way to know how many users there are, uh, how many people are playing these dApps or, or using these dApps, how much money there is involved, how many transactions they're making and so on. So, you know, we just did it over the weekend, launched the first version, got lots of feedback, lots of positive attention, and, and we kept going. And uh, where we stand now, um, you know, we, we position ourselves as the world's dApp store and we're building the world's dApp store. Uh, the community-owned world's staff store, powered by millions and used by billions. Uh, that's how we see the future, and that's how we see the future of Web3 as well. Uh, the difference, you know, uh, if we talk about app stores and app stores, you know, in Web3, uh, the discovery of apps is pretty different. You, you're not just looking at, at some nice images, you know, like in app stores and decide which game to play or which app to use. But instead, you really need to look into lots of data, like whether, whether the token prices are you know, going up and down, whether there is somebody using those, those apps, whether these numbers are going up and down. So there is quite a bit of data you want to look at uh, and you know, where to get that data. If it's all scattered around, it's, it's going to be very difficult to do DAP discovery. And for users, it's going to be hard to you know, find those apps. For DAPs, it's going to be hard to present themselves in a, in a very nice way. So what we do, you know, we consolidate all this information and we want to present it all to the user. So yes, on one side, you still have the nice images that attract your kind of visual attention, but then you dig deeper, you understand whether it's worth getting into this app, whether someone is playing already or using this app. So this is you know, how we think about it. Another very important point um, there is about the, I really want to mention the community owned part uh, because that's, that's one of the things where, you know, one year ago, uh, we launched Raider Token and that was done with the solely with the purpose of building this ecosystem of contributions. So we meant that Prader is meant to be owned by community and to get contributions from community. So it's no longer, you know, just one company representing the whole app store, building the whole app store. We don't want to be like Apple or Google in this case, you know, Apple asking 30% on, on gas fees. Uh, 
what is this? You know, I don't think we all agree with that here. So that predator will be powered by millions of people worldwide, you know, by allowing anyone to contribute and earn this way. Cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. And uh, I love that Apple story because uh, trying to claim 30% on gas fees sort of doesn't really make sense as a concept if, uh, if you kind of understand the tech here. But uh, maybe you could talk to us a bit more about dApps specifically. What do you what do you mean there? Games come as part of that, but decentralized apps can be lots of different things. So maybe you could give us some examples uh, of what dApps you index uh, and what they do. Right. And, and that's a very good question uh, because often we hear dApps, dApps, dApps out there, you know, and we at DappRider, we have a often we have a different understanding of what the DAP is uh, versus the kind of the general crypto audience, you know. Uh, for us, a DAP is something that is that has smart contracts behind it, you know, that has something that it's running actually on the blockchain. It, it depends on it and it enjoys the, the benefits of it. You know, so if you think about um, any wallet out there, like MetaMask and, and, and you know, Phantom, whatever kind of wallets there are, those we don't really consider DAPs, you know, these are tools or services helping you to access dApps, but they're not dApps. They're not decentralized on their own, you know, so we're talking about decentralized applications. So I can give you a few examples of like true dApps, thinking of um, games like DeFi Kingdom, for example, you know, that's a game running completely on the blockchain. Well, the front end is sort of centralized still, you know, but anyone can run the front end. The point is that the back end, uh, the whole logic in the gameplay is on the back end and you have tokens there, so kind of in-game currency, you have the whole mechanic in there and sort of no one can take it away from you. Well, if you just, you know, you say you are a DAP, but by simply turning off your servers, you are, you know, you are no longer existing. Well, you're not really a DAP, are you? So this is, you know, in a, on a very sort of simple terms, this is where we put the line. It needs to have smart contracts. It needs to be running on, on the blockchain, actually. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick pause and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, cool. Okay, yeah, that's a, a great explanation. And um, yeah, Dapp Radar is brilliant. I'd encourage people to check it out. You can see loads of indexing tools. It's a good uh, place to go to get sentiment of what's going on. You cover NFTs, obviously, on there as well, the top collections, you know, over the last 730 uh, days and so on. Um, let's dive into gaming specifically, because there is a bigger conversation here. And there's some tension between traditional gamers and the gaming industry, which is obviously huge, but, you know, bigger than the music and film industry put together in terms of kind of, uh, you know, market cap and the money that's generated each year. But there is this sort of tension for traditional gamers, and I know you have a gaming background, um, who maybe don't fully understand or misunderstand what NFTs can bring. I think a lot of gamers think that this feels like a way of gaming studios to try and get more money out of players after they've bought the title. But the argument from the other side, from the blockchain side, is actually that gamers spend a lot of time in these games um, unlocking things, uh, leveling up and earning things and actually in the traditional model don't own any of their assets with the blockchain model you can own your, your assets and trade them and you know get paid for your time so yeah maybe you could talk a little bit about that and uh yeah what's kind of the sentiment now between traditional gamers and, and this new blockchain gaming space yeah i think we saw it very clearly when when discord wanted to introduce nfts and all the gamers suddenly 
to my surprise at that point in time, I was really surprised, like, what is it, guys? You know, I I'm gaming a lot. You're gaming a lot. We have a lot in common. I'm okay with this. I'm super excited about this, and, you and you're hating this. Something doesn't connect. Uh, and then, you know, my, my thinking behind it is probably, probably, I don't know the actual reasons and, you know, the, the, the real reasons behind how they're thinking, but, you know, if, if we're talking about pay to play or pay to win games, well, more like pay to win, if you put the assets, you know, that, um, as, that are NFTs and you ask somebody to buy NFTs in order to, well, to win, obviously I'm, I'm against that. And, and then I'm, I'm not in, I'm not in it, you know. But if we're talking about um, skins, some digital sort of costumes and all the cosmetic things, I don't see a reason why anyone would be, anyone in gaming would be against it. You know, we already have this happening in Steam Marketplace. We already have it happening in CSGO. Like you can, it doesn't help you to win at all. Like there is nothing that can help you win there, but there is a massive economy. Like, you know, Wax blockchain was actually kind of the, sequence of OP skins. Uh, I might be wrong with some details, but you know, OP skins were there trading CSGO skins. And then Wax blockchain appeared uh, out of that and they understand the value of it and it's clear where they're going. You know, so if it's just cosmetics, uh, the point is it doesn't help you to win. It doesn't help anybody to win. You can have as deep pockets as you want, but in general, the it's easier for you to obtain any assets that you want in game if they're cosmetic, if they're on the blockchain, and you don't necessarily need to buy them. So where is the problem, you know? But ultimately one thing that I really like about having digital assets as NFTs or any other form that's, you know, maybe we will invent something new uh, rather than NFTs, but it's about anything that you accumulated in game, any assets that you got, you could be playing for five, seven, 10 years the game, that happens, CSGO, Fortnite and the rest. Um, you know, either you're trading those things on black market if it's possible, or you're not doing it at all because it's not possible like on Fortnite. So what happens then? You know, you're you're starting to play a game when you're, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old. You finish playing it maybe when you're 20. How, what did you get from that? Yeah, probably some soft skills, you know, communicating with your guild, with your clan, friends, you know, made some friends and that's it. But when it comes to real life, you know, then you quit the game and you're like, Oh, well, I, I'm, I'm going to college. Hey, dad, give me some money. You know, I didn't make anything uh, by playing this game, but I can see a future very well, this changing drastically. And it happens with some people because, you know, if you play CSGO for a long time and if you use black market, well, you can make quite a bit of money as well. So it is happening, but it's just happening in black market and nobody talks about it. But if it was happening in a free market, then yeah, you still play for five, seven, 10 years. And after that, Everything you have, you can just, you know, sell it and you buy a house, you go to college or, you know, just pay for rent, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's opening up uh, it's this kind of disruption that, that gaming and playing games can can be a form of income, which sounds, uh, you know, strange to, to probably previous uh, generations as well. But uh, there's, you know, also these conversations about getting the economics right and, you know, it not being paid to win, but maybe earning and, and your time being spent in there is how you kind of uh, gain these NFTs. And, and then you can make some money from them if you decide to, to stop playing the game. Uh, I always think it's interesting that a lot of people um, would probably naively um, guess that gamers are, are very much of a young age but actually i think the the average age for for a gamer is, is around 35 so uh, this is kind of very relevant for for all ages although 
the younger ages are kind of you know growing up uh, natively um, owning digital assets in places like Roblox and Fortnite. But my question to you is, um, can you give us any kind of uh, metrics or any idea of how uh, much blockchain games are being adopted? What kinds of games we're seeing at the minute? And uh, are we going to hit a moment where we see some AAA games that are blockchain games and get people very excited regardless of their technology? They just want to play the game because it's fun. Yeah, um, it, it is pretty difficult at the moment to know the you know the the, the amount of people actually playing those blockchain games. Uh, we we you know we, we have the numbers on chain, but there is also a big part that is happening off chain. You know, even if we take uh, Axie Infinity as example, which is pretty much a blockchain game, and everybody knows that. You know, they have millions of people playing Axie, or or had at least, but just a portion of that was you know actually happening on chain. Because the whole gameplay that is just you know happening on kind of through their servers and only the assets like the ownership and some some gameplay mechanics are only those happening on on chain, so that makes it pretty difficult uh, to at this point in time to measure uh, the actual scale of blockchain gaming and, and the users. Um, but that's something you know we're working on, and uh, you know I'm sure uh, we'll get to a point where we will have a lot of things happening off-chain, like AAA games, uh, I'm talking about Scalio, Fortnite, CSGO, and Call of Duty, and similar ones, uh, will begin with probably them having items on the blockchain. So it's not going to be the gameplay on the blockchain. Uh, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen, if ever, uh, but we'll certainly have assets on the blockchain that allows, you know, enables the free market to anybody. And what we have there, you know, it's not the amount of users playing the game that, that you know, that we are going to be measuring them. Uh, but it's going to be more about how many of them are actually trading assets, how many of them are exchanging uh, different items. And that's something we can measure on chain. And that's something that is uh, on one side. Yes, you can manipulate that in a way of, you know, I'm trading 10 different accounts and trading 10 different skins. But it's it's if we're going to the natural accrual of the assets and so on, it's pretty hard to manipulate that. And we will know the scale of, you know, how many people are actually trading those assets and uh, how healthy the economy is. And that's you know where we get to what I was talking about, the, about that Predator, about the World's App Store. That's how we see it. Now think about, uh, there is a game, uh, whatever, the same Fortnite, if suddenly they had NFTs. Uh, I'm as a gamer, I'm, I'm, I know about Fortnite, I'm playing it, super cool. Uh, and then I figure out, uh, because it's not obvious, but then I figure out, okay, so those assets that I have in game, they're actually on the blockchain. So I can do something with them. And I Google Fortnite and you know I, I find, okay, so there is Fortnite, there is that Prader, uh, kind of Fortnite's page on that Prader. I click on it and I see, oh wow. So I can see my assets. I can see how these assets kind of uh, changed in value over time. I can see whether the value is growing up, you know, or going down. All this information will give me an insight of, you know, whether it makes sense for me to keep playing, whether I should look for something else. Um, and that, that will be a very nice discovery for users because they will no longer need to rely on whatever the App Store recommends me. And also one very important point, which I think CSGO and Steam Marketplace uh, brought to a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of teenagers, is the grasp of economics. And I'm really excited to see that when, uh, when kind of blockchain games uh, really picks up. You know, when you were 12, 13, 14 years old, um, and you are dealing with assets that sort of have real money, um, real money value, you start understanding how economy works. You know, it's no longer just, you know, you being at school taught, you know, you need to count your money, you need to save your money and, and these kind of things. 
but you actually you know touch this money and and you can start making decisions on that again i'm not encouraging that i'm not saying you know that needs to have rules that needs to be in a way regulated and so on but it's just that the understanding of it um, i got a lot of that through playing games and i think yeah. that's a fascinating opportunity yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I saw an amazing article recently around Minecraft, which really they were using in schools for uh, kids to um, visualize and explore how to build kind of flood barriers and things like that, like running simulations in, in these worlds to, to learn uh, for educational things. So, yeah, what you talk about there is, is interesting. Um, you, you also mentioned about measuring the statistics in these worlds. And in the centralized worlds, we've got some, you know, amazing facts, like the evidence of, uh, you know, uh, moving from gaming to more metaverse kind of open social worlds. And the stats are phenomenal, you know, Roblox around 40 to 50 million daily active users. They have 32 million experiences on their platform. 60,000 are published daily. Uh, these kind of mini games that are user generated that users build. Their most popular experience now, an experience called Adopt Me, has been visited over 30 billion times, uh, which is crazy when you think the most watched video on YouTube has been watched 11 billion times. So this next generation are really growing up in, in these virtual worlds. Uh, Fortnite, you know, similarly 30 million daily active users as well. Um, uh, Meta Horizons, uh, some lower reports from their targets of kind of 500,000 users per month. Uh, I think it was Wall Street Journal reported they had about 200,000, so they're a little bit off their targets. There was also an interesting DAP Radar report around um, blockchain-based worlds and their low number of users especially when some of these worlds have um, billion dollar valuations. I think it was reported that Decentraland had 38 active users in the past 24 hours, whilst the Sandbox had 522 active users. Now, that was an interesting report. And but some of the things you mentioned is about measuring these statistics, right? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of people who visit these worlds as guests and wouldn't necessarily register a transaction on the blockchain. Uh, so they wouldn't be necessarily counted in a measure of how many players uh, there are there. Um, I think Decentraland say they have about 6,100 per month. Um, so that's kind of interesting. There's uh, nuances around how long they spend there as well. It's kind of hard to measure. Um, and the Sandbox have been rolling out their sort of alpha season. So we've seen uh, just recently their alpha season three, where they uh, kind of open up their world to lots of experiences. Lots of brands have experiences there. Uh, they said over that time, um, uh, Sebastian Borgia, the COO, 39,000 daily users, uh, about 4.1 million total wallets registered up from 2 million from the previous, 2 million from the previous alpha season two um, and 1.6 million hours played. So uh, interesting stats and like a, um, a massive uh, difference in, in measuring these things. So um, how do you kind of see that? And, and are we developing the tools to measure these things accurately still? Yeah. So um, here, you know, what, what happened there uh, is um, you go to that prior that we take one metric, meaning uh, unique active wallets, uh, which is exactly saying what's happening on the blockchain um, and you're kind of painting it as, as the whole picture uh, so this is where sort of it went wrong with the story let's say um, and, and then we you know we were all clarifying it together with the central and sandbox and so on uh, this basically shows how complex the kind of blockchain world is still to to the mass media and to the mass audiences and that we need to work a lot on that together and the point is there are two different types of data mainly. One is what's happening on chain, what's happening on the blockchain. And the other part is what is not happening on the blockchain, but is still relevant. So in that case, uh, as you mentioned, if you look at, at Sandbox or Decentraland or Somnium Space or you know, any other sort of metaverse, if you're a guest, as I said, or if you're just exploring the world uh, without making any transaction, without interacting with the blockchain, you're just, it's like you would be playing Fortnite. You know, you're you're not connecting. You're not connected to the blockchain, really. You're not interacting with it. Uh, you might be retrieving some data from there, 
but that's very tense. You know, there is you leave no track on the blockchain. We can put it this way. And if you don't leave any track on the blockchain, you're not registered as a as a user, you know, as a unique active wallet on that trader. So this is ultimately where um, how it works. Now, you know, having said that, uh, it's still those 6,000 users or, or you know, whatever the number is, that is still very relevant, you know, because I want to know how many people are actually leaving track on the blockchain and how many people are just, you know, looking at that, still, still using the data, but they're not actively kind of contributing there. So that's something we certainly have in mind. And uh, in, the, in the future, our aim is to, to merge those two. And as a user, you know, you can see, okay, so there is maybe a hundred people every day uh, doing something, leaving track on the blockchain, which would mean, you know, trading assets, um, you know, doing some, I don't know, asset crafting, breeding, whatever it is. But then there is uh, 5,000, 10,000 people who want to just, you know, look at what you built. And, and those are off-chain. Those are not, maybe they don't even have a wallet. They don't even know what the blockchain is, but they're using it at some point. They might get on board it and become a part of that hundred and you know help it grow to a thousand and then ten thousand then a million and, and so on so this is um, the very brief sort of explanation you know of, of uh yeah what happened there yeah yeah no it's interesting to hear isn't it and in, in this uh, early adopter phase yeah we're still kind of uh, uh trying to measure all these metrics in different ways on and off chain so it's, it's good to have that kind of knowledge and understanding uh when we see these numbers as well and you know a lot of people would say that uh in terms of the broader adoption of, of blockchain uh you know started obviously with bitcoin and the more financial um, rails and then nfts um grabs people's attentions because it was attention because it was visual and you know images uh, helps it kind of i guess be more accessible and games there's such a huge industry there already that uh once people learn and get educated and, and the tools are built out that that might be the next uh, big on border uh for people to to blockchain whether they know that's happening or not um but yeah i guess kind of my last question to you is is uh what are you looking forward to next what's coming uh, for dap radar uh, and then is there any kind of games or, or adapts that you're particularly excited about at the moment yeah, um, for 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 that radar, um, I mean, we're a huge believer in games uh, in general. You know, I think uh, for the next one to three years, uh, we'll see crazy stuff happening in in the games and blockchain industry, uh, and I think we'll see something again. You know, what happened in twenty twenty one? It exploded so fast. You know, we we were all looking behind it. Okay, we we knew it's coming, but at this pace, come on. So I think you know that's what we are going to see with games as well. And we're preparing for this because in order to provide the dis proper discovery uh, to allow users to discover these, these games and these dApps, we need to be ready. And that, that requires a lot of resources, that requires a lot of hands uh, in a way, you know, to, to do custom metrics, to do custom KPIs about every single game to reflect the way they work. And for that, we, you know, we have a thing that we call contribute to earn. Uh, so you heard about play to earn, uh, this is contribute to earn. It's about allowing anybody from outside uh, to contribute and, you know, whatever it is, they could be coding, could be writing good articles, uh, building tools and then two different kind of things for the operator and for dApps. And, and that's something we're working on. And, you know, this was done in order to have a successful dApp store because we don't want to keep the power in our hands. We want to give it away to community, which means, well, uh, we also don't need to do all the work because then that can be biased. So let's allow anybody to contribute and this way they get rewarded. Now, one funny thing for the end, um, for, you know, before we, we end, uh, I was recently playing with ChatGPT, uh, you know, the AI chat, mm. and I asked it to, to come up with a poem about that prayer. 
Uh, I'm not going to quote it all, but just two <laughs> lines of that. Uh, and those were, with contribute to earn in full effect, app stores are no longer a subject. So I don't know. It's not me. It's ChatGPT saying. No, but you know, the predator is an evolution of app stores, and and that's where we're going. And I think games will be the vertical, the category of apps that will help us and the rest of the world, especially gamers who are against NFTs now, understand how big this is and how good it is for them, not just for those crypto chiefs. Yeah, that is an amazing way to to end this part of the interview uh, using artificial intelligence chat bot uh, GPT three. Uh, yeah, um, it's smarter than all of us, so probably probably knows I would guess. But yeah, Scamantis, thanks so much uh, for for doing that chat. That was that was awesome. Uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, yeah, if you if you will hang around, we're going to dive into a story which is definitely relevant about Animoca Brand. So uh, Jeremy, over to you. Hey everyone, we're going to take another quick break and hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back to the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Yeah, a fascinating conversation between the two of you. I've been on the edge of my seat. That's really, really good stuff. I'm super excited about Web3 Gaming. Uh, we're going to stay with the metaverse here, but we're going to move to music. We recently reported that Animoca Brands, the metaverse gaming company behind Sandbox, is launching a $2 billion fund. And it looks like they're already putting their money where their mouth is. Animoca is acquiring a majority stake in Pixelnix, which is a music metaverse gaming platform. Animoca was an early investor in Pixelnix, which had been founded by musicians Deadmau5 and Richie Houghton. The news comes a year after Animoca struck a deal with Warner Music Group to create the first music-themed world within the same sandbox gaming metaverse. Luke, want to get yours and Scramantis' thoughts on this. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Animoca Brands, obviously, huge player in this space. Amazing history, been here for a long time, have uh, lived through all of these cycles and, and continue to make big moves. And music specifically, uh, in the Web3 context, context, they are an industry that, that's moving quickly. You mentioned uh, Warner Music um, having their plot in the sandbox and trying to create these virtual experiences there. And, you know, we've seen some evidence of that, as I say, again, in, in these centralized virtual worlds, places like Fortnite, where they've done virtual gigs. So the, the famous one is uh, Travis Scott did a gig uh, in Fortnite, so as an avatar, and people attended as avatars, and, then, and they bought skins to, to do that. It reportedly netted about $20 million in total, which was the equivalent of him doing 10 back-to-back -back physical arena shows. So he was able to do that show once and then kind of scale it to the world. Um, so virtual touring and, and selling digital merch alongside that is, is a fascinating move. Uh, for music we've also seen um uh, probably not a label isn't it is another project um warner i think are involved with that um kind of to create a decentralized music label uh, even mtv uh, at the recent video music awards uh, um, added a category the best metaverse performance category so they now have a virtual gigs type uh, awards and uh, black pink the k-pop uh, band won that this year so lots going on in this in this space um so yeah really interesting um and uh, yes yeah, commanders i don't know if there's anything uh, you want to add around around the music side of stuff yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we spoke a lot about gaming, uh, but music um, is something I think that matches very well with Metaverse. And I can I can actually prove that uh, with uh, yet another quick story. Uh, so one year ago, a bit more than one year ago, actually, I think 
before we launched our token, and we did an announcement in Somnium Space, in Somnium Space, uh, kind of the, the metaverse, VR one. Um, you know, I was on stage in full VR, uh, and we had a before the before the announcement, uh, we had a live uh, musician uh, doing you know acoustic sort of music and singing there for all the people who were on stage there as well. Uh, and then after our, afterwards, after my my speech there. We also had a kind of a club music. We had a DJ on stage, so it's quite insane, you know. To let's say you put on VR gear, uh, you go there, you know, you hang around with people that you know and don't know. You hear people actually singing, and you can see them performing. That's it's not reality, right? But that's pretty close. And you know, anytime I see something's happening with the metaverse. I'm, I'm just like, okay, yes, nice. One step closer, one step closer. You know, we're getting there. So super excited about this. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, that especially the VR side of stuff, because it's a technology that's been around for a long time. It's kind of been permanently in a bear market until potentially recently. And, uh, you know, MetaQuest 2, that headset, the hardware, um, outsold Xbox, I think, for the first time last year. So we're starting to see something kind of move with with VR. And, yeah, these immersive uh, music experiences feel like a good fit for that. There's another uh, one called Red Pill um, VR where they are using or about to use cloud computing. So you'll be able to uh, put your headset on, but you won't necessarily need a really powerful computer to, to experience an amazing environment uh, built on Unreal Engine, which, uh, you know, is uh, used for films and lots of video games and experience this kind of uh, live environment with live DJs as avatars. So that feels like a... A natural kind of direction for this all to go in, which which is uh, interesting for sure. Um, but yeah, Jeremy, I know um, we're, we're going to move on, and uh, maybe we've got some questions from the Real Vision community as well. We do. Just before I get into that, just this conversation of virtual gigs kind of came to mind. My hmm. my girlfriend works for a large tech company, and they had their Christmas party in the metaverse last year because they are a global company, and as the headline act for their Christmas party, they had Macklemore come on stage and do a set virtually, which, I mean, that was my first kind of exposure to these virtual gigs. And I was like, whoa, that is like, the potential of this is so massive. And it was really, really cool to see it. I'm, I'm just incredibly curious to see how this continues to evolve. Uh, but as you said, we have some viewer questions. The first one, we've obviously talked about the upside of, of Web3 gaming and the potential there. Uh, but one of our viewers asked, what are the potential downsides of putting AAA games or some of its assets on the blockchain for the biggest gaming developers? Yeah, interesting one. Uh, Scamantis, maybe maybe your best place to, to answer that, and I can jump in with some thoughts after. Yeah, that. I think uh, the the downside and the risk is if if you if they do that without changing their business model at all. So you know, if you just come take existing business model, just put it you know on the blockchain, well, that's not going to work. You know, if if Fortnite suddenly says, look. Uh, these assets are going to be NFTs, so then everybody buys them and starts trading. You know what, what's in it for Fortnite? So it needs to change a bit. You know they need to add royalties. They need to understand how it, it changes the whole eco economy for them. So I think that that's also something that either you know the game developers are uh, sort of worried about. You know because you can't just put it on there and then have it running. You got to think of a new business model. Um, at the same point in time. I don't think there are currently probably the biggest downside is that you will see what what Discord saw. You know, you announced that oh we're we're going to be doing NFTs and suddenly everyone is turning against you. So maybe that that would be one of the biggest risks out there as as a game big game company to turn into NFTs. But hey, 
we're working in this industry, uh, we'll get there. We know that. Yeah, yeah, it'll take time, and there's a bit of education and the sentiment shift to go. But I guess another risk, it, it, you know, it is uh, as with all crypto assets, making it really user friendly and uh, you know security and keeping those assets safe, especially um, if it's with younger users. You know, make sure they don't lose all all, the, all their stuff uh, that they've earned as well. I, I would guess as well. But yeah, Jeremy, I wonder if we've got some more questions. Thank you for those answers, gentlemen. Ralph H on the Real Vision website is asking uh, for Skirmantis. From what geographic regions are you seeing the most demand? Do games tend to be open architecture to the degree that this would be available on most games? And are traditional game developers keen to allow virtual assets to be sold back and forth? I'm looking forward yet to see, you know, the those AAA games and how these are going to play out. But what we saw with play to earn games, uh, a lot of the traffic, a lot of uh, the users out there are, um, you know, from developing countries. Um, because that that's where, you know, for example, I know there is a, there are huge communities in Philippines and Venezuela and, and, and similar countries where they literally changed, uh, if not millions, then hundreds of thousands of people lives uh, this way. And so this was the first uh, bit, the first wave, and I'm looking forward, you know, to see how it evolves. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting one, isn't it, um, as well? And and I think like what some uh, game developers might not have quite understood yet is this idea of this kind of open system, right? So, um, you, you know, to control all of your assets in your game at the moment in, in games where you buy a title and everything's contained within your world, there is some amazing opportunities to be able to open that up and, and let anyone else who's a fan to create maybe a fan world where if you own a sword in one game you can kind of bring it outside of that into into a new fan run world or it can unlock another experience and you kind of get the benefit of the scale of the internet by enabling content creators to kind of uh, allow access from from assets from your game into their world and you expand that way in this big open network effect so i guess yeah it might be interesting to watch that for sure um but yeah i think we're heading towards the end but uh, jeremy I'll, I'll throw it back to you one last question this is from brad smith on youtube and i'm not sure if either of you are familiar with this protocol called veracity if you have any thoughts on that tech from the guests in a quick google i was looking at it it says it is a protocol and product layer platform for esports and video entertainment if either of you are familiar with veracity it's something i need to dive into the esports world is is fascinating i spent a bit of time watching stuff there as they recently streamed some stuff inside portals a a metaverse in, in uh, on solana which was really cool Rassi, i would need to do a bit more research on but uh Scamantis, don't know if you know anything on that same here same here luke we'll definitely take a look because uh, esports blockchain you know gaming makes a ton of sense yeah for sure brad hold the line we will get back to you on that thank you for asking that question uh, this has been another fascinating conversation today. Thank you to both Luke and Skirmantis for joining us. I've got some key takeaways. We will jump over to the gentlemen and get their key takeaways. Uh, but as we continue to follow stories that are breaking out of the crypto space, of course, Digital Currency Group and Grayscale continue to come under fire with Grayscale being sued by Firtree Capital Management, with Firtree wanting Grayscale to close the gap, so to speak, between their trust and the price of the underlying assets by resuming redemptions and lowering fees for their Grayscale Bitcoin trust. Uh, also, we covered today Three Arrows Capital founders Suzu and Cal Davies uh, have been subpoenaed by a federal judge forcing them to turn over documents and records relating to Three Arrows Capital property and finances and giving them 14 days to comply. 
Lastly, we spoke about Animoca brands continuing to make waves in the metaverse with their recent investment in music metaverse gaming platform, Pixelnix. Gentlemen, I want to jump over to you for your key takeaways. Let's start first with Scramantis. Yeah, I think we, we talked a lot about gaming and, and, and metaverse, and uh, I'm really happy we did this way uh, because personally, I think that's that's where it goes. And I heard that question quite a few times. It's like, who, who wants to be on the metaverse? You know, they, they, they ask. And you know what I see is those millions of people of, you know, teenagers and so on playing Roblox daily or, or similar games. They already are on the metaverse. You know, they're just calling it a different name. And you add some other things on top, which is like asset ownership. You have the monetary system in there. You have the economy, uh, trustlessness. Um, and it's just, it's the same, but on steroids. So what are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. And yes, I think you've said it really well there, but um, yeah, you know, we're in an early phase here, but the a lot of evidence is there around, um, you know, as, as you say, kids growing up uh, in Roblox and Fortnite being native with digital assets, gaming being such a huge industry when I think that education gets through, uh, that people can kind of own their assets in this way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the massive uh, next onboarder into blockchain and hopefully probably people won't know about, you know, that blockchain is necessarily the tech underneath it. It's going to be a smooth experience and people will play the games because they're fun and and uh, yeah, that's where uh, a next major wave might come from. So uh, we will see. Yes, we will. And for me personally, I'm excited about Web3 gaming because if I can tell my girlfriend that I'm getting paid to do so, I might be allowed to play more games. So that's what I'm looking <laughs> forward to. But uh, that's everything from us today. I want to thank you, Scramantis, for joining us. Thank you to Luke for hosting. I think we will definitely be bringing uh, both of you back on. Uh, in the near term, pleasure doing the show with you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having having us both. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. That's it for today. Once again, do not forget to to subscribe to Real Vision Crypto on both the Real Vision platform as well as on YouTube. Uh, once again, smash everything, hit that like bell, subscribe, the notification bell as well, so you don't miss us when we go live. Join us again tomorrow. We will have Sergey Nazarov from Chainlink and Sydney Powell of Maple Finance live on the show. That will be at noon Eastern time, 5 p.m. in London, live on the Real Vision Crypto Daily Briefing.